0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to all of you, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this evening comes from the hymn you just sang, but also from Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You may be seated. I want to begin with a short list of sayings. And as I list these off, I want you to think of a time where you might have said one of these things. That's not my job. I deserve better than this. That's not my responsibility. Shouldn't, shouldn't that be the new guy's job? But that's so beneath me. Why would I do that? Okay, well, maybe you've never said one of these because actually saying them would be rude, of course. But have you ever thought of a time, or can you think of a time where you've ever thought one of these things? Has there ever been a time where you thought that whatever job you were asked to do was beneath you? To put it a little more simply, have you ever had what what I'm going to call a pride issue? Ever thought that you were too good to do something? I'm sure many of you who grew up with siblings can think of a time. That time when chores are being assigned for the day, for the week, or however you scheduled it. And you were trying to fight and barter and trade to make sure that you got the better ones. Leave the hard, dirty, nasty ones to the younger kids. Because they got to learn how to do it eventually anyway, right? Nobody... Likes to do the dirty work, or rather, very few people actually like to do the dirty work. There used to be a show that I like to watch on the Discovery Channel called Dirty Jobs. This show always opened with the host, Mike Rowe, saying this My name's Mike Rowe, and this is my job. I explore the country for looking for people who aren't afraid to get dirty hard-working men and women who are in an honest living doing the kinds of things that make civilized life possible for the rest of us. Now, get ready to get dirty. And that's exactly what he did the entire show. Some of these dirty jobs that he investigated, but also tried out, he he did work on this show, were things like sewer inspector, septic tank technician, charcoal maker, chimney sweep, and believe me, the list goes on and on and on. This show has since been sadly dropped from the Discovery Channel, but it's been picked up in a segment on CNN called Somebody's Gotta Do It. One of the big big things about this show was that just about every job ended up being a lot harder than our host, Mr. Rowe, gave it credit for. And just about every single time, he ended up showing a great deal of respect and appreciation for the people that do these jobs, for these people that take on the jobs that most of us would try to avoid. Now, Mike Rowe is a TV show host, and he very easily could have had what I think we would all consider a better job. But he chose to use the opportunity he had to show appreciation to the people who did the dirty jobs. The people that we might consider lowly. Mike Rowe, at least on his show, didn't really seem to have much of a pride issue. In our readings for today, we see two biblical examples of people who I also think didn't really have much of a pride issue, or at least not in these stories. The first one we find in our Old Testament reading. Here we see King Solomon, who was the son of the great King David, who I'm sure you've heard of once or twice. And in this passage, God goes to Solomon and essentially asks, what do you want? God offers Solomon the opportunity to ask for absolutely anything he could think of. Riches, possessions, high honor, anything. And you would think that Solomon being a king, a king should have these good things. He should be rich. He should be famous. He should be victorious in all of his battles, well Solomon didn't really seem to think so for one reason or another. Instead, he th- he throws God what I would think would be a pretty huge curveball. Instead of any of these things, he says, "Oh Lord, God, give me wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before these people." Solomon didn't care about being rich or famous. He wanted to be a wise, intelligent, good, smart ruler. He wanted to fit the bill. He wanted to meet up to the expectations that God had for the king of his people. And in turn, then, God gave him wisdom and knowledge, but also blessed him with riches, possessions, honor. Like no king had ever seen before, and like no king, God says, will ever see again. Now the second example is, you might be able to pick it out a little clearer, we find that in our gospel lesson for today. To set the stage a little, this is just before Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. This is on Maundy Thursday of Holy Week, the day before Jesus knew that he was going to be killed. The disciples had just come in for dinner from outside, and since they didn't really have the clean paved roads that we do now, or fancy closed-toed shoes, and since this was Jesus' last day on earth, he of course wanted to go out with a bang. And have everyone around him serve him and wait on him? Well, not quite. Jesus, the leader of this group, stoops down, takes off his cloak, ties a towel around his waist, and begins to wash his disciples' dirty feet. This great leader, this great teacher of his disciples, known pretty well throughout Israel, is bending down and doing a servant's job. Surely Jesus, this teacher, miracle worker, healer, is above this lowly thing. But Jesus didn't think so. In fact, Jesus had said once before, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Now as great of an example of Jesus' humility this is, this certainly isn't the first one that we see. No, but for this next example, I think it's easier to show you. ...than it is to try and explain it. So I'm going to show you just a few pictures. You may recognize this place. I think most of you have been here for a good amount of your lives. This is the Earth. This is the Earth and the rest of the planets, minus poor little Pluto. But you can see how small Earth is compared to those top two, Jupiter and Saturn. You can still see Earth in there. It's in the bottom row, right about in the middle... It's that smaller planet now. But even seeing how big these other planets are, they're all pretty small if you compare them to this big orange ball, which is our sun, of course. Now, the Earth in this picture is a teeny tiny little blue dot. You can see the white dot, maybe, in the bottom row, and the Earth is to the left of that. You can't see it. That's how big the sun is compared to even these huge planets like Jupiter and Saturn. Now this big orange ball is not our sun. Rather, this is a star that's significantly bigger. You can see our sun right below the red one and right below the white one. It's that very small orange dot. And it doesn't stop there. It just keeps getting bigger. This large orange ball I just showed you is not the one in the bottom row. Rather, it's the teeny tiny one to the right of the bigger one in the bottom row. And brothers and sisters... There are millions of these stars, billions of these, and they're enormous. This last picture that I want to show you is a picture from the Hubble Space Telescope. This is a picture that astronomers took. They looked up in the night sky and they saw a black section of space. There was nothing there that they could see. So just for fun, they decided to open up the camera on the telescope for 10 days Ten whole days in this black spot in the sky, and this is what they found. Now, granted, it doesn't show up quite as well on these screens as it did on my computer, and I apologize for that. But a lot of these things, these dots that you can see, they're not just stars. (coughs) Excuse me. But they're entire galaxies. And a galaxy can have, or easily has, more than one billion stars. Now, I show you these things for a couple of reasons, the first of which being, I think it's really cool, and I like sharing this stuff with people. The second one, though, is a little more biblical. It reminds me how big God is. See, God is very, very, very big and very, very, very powerful. He made every single one of those galaxies. He placed every single one of those stars in its place. But he didn't even have to touch them. He just spoke, and there they were. These pictures also remind me that you and I are small. You and I are very, very, very small and very powerless compared to our God. But church, I have great news for you. In one of the first of Jesus' great humble acts, he became one of you and one of me. You see, God, the very, very big, very, very powerful, almighty creator of the universe, became a tiny, very fragile human being. As our hymn that we just sang a minute ago says, Lo, within a stable lies he who built the starry skies. The baby sleeping in the manger on Christmas night is the very same God that put the stars in its place. God came down to us, God with us, Emmanuel, to this tiny planet that he created, to these tiny people that he made, because God thinks that we're important. God, the creator of the vast, huge, immense universe, loved us, cared about us, wanted us to know him so much that he came down from his heavenly throne, down to his people, down to us, down from highest bliss into such a world as this. At Christmas, this is why we celebrate Jesus' humility. See, it's a dirty job, but someone had to do it. And Jesus was very much not afraid to get his hands dirty, to get down into the nitty-gritty, to become a human being in order to bring human beings to his kingdom. And he didn't just do this at his birth. He didn't just do it when he washed his disciples' feet. He made a life out of it. Jesus made a life out of his dirty job. Jesus wasn't too good to touch, to heal the unclean lepers. He wasn't too proud to preach, to speak to the evil Samaritans, to eat meals with sinners, tax collectors. Even his closest followers weren't really anything special. Jesus and his ragtag group of disciples were a bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, some other very average, normal people. And surely the creator of the universe deserves more than that for his followers, religious leaders, kings. But no, they weren't, they weren't too bad for Jesus. Jesus wasn't better than them. He didn't see himself as better than. He was one of them. Jesus loved these lowly people He cared about them. He wasn't too good to bring us sinners to him. He wasn't too good to die the death of a common thief for you and for me. And in his humility, Paul tells us in Philippians, God exalted him above everything else. Jesus was indeed God himself, and yet he still came to his creation. Because of Christmas, because of Jesus' great humility, you and I are welcomed with open arms into his kingdom. Even in our pride, our I'm too good for this attitude, Jesus came to serve us. In our Christmas season and throughout our lives as God's Christian people, I pray that we would remember Jesus' life and his example of humility. He wasn't too good to get his hands dirty to help the poor, the lowly, the needy. I don't know what that looks like in your life this Christmas season. Maybe it's buying an extra Christmas present for an underprivileged family. Maybe it's helping out at the Franklin Avenue Mission or some other great charity opportunity. Maybe it's as simple as not just ignoring the Salvation Army bucket when you walk into the grocery store. But whatever it looks like in your life, I pray that you would remember Jesus' humility and his willingness to serve the lowly. And we pray, teach, O oh, teach us, Holy Child, by thy face so meek and mild, teach us to resemble thee in thy sweet humility. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.